You ever watch this guy on television? You all were not telling the truth, and you should not be trusted. Congressman Matt Gates, thank you for what you yeah. did for your country tonight. Be offended with the Democratic whip, not House Republicans. Like a machine, Matt Gates. Welcome to Hot Takes. I'm Congressman Matt Gates. Let's talk about the news. Former Secretary of Defense Jim Mattis pens an essay for Foreign Affairs magazine where he calls for an end to America first as a part of our country's foreign policy doctrine. You see, Jim Mattis, while a patriot, while someone I deeply respect, while someone I worked with closely as a member of the Armed Services Committee, has a very different view of America's role in the world than I do. Jim Mattis believes that America is at her best when she's the world's piggy bank, the world's police force, and when she invests in multilateralism and relationships for the benefits of other countries, maybe even more so than for the benefit of our country. And while certainly General Mattis's time as a military leader, as Secretary of Defense, entitles him to whatever perspective he'd like, and while I'm sure he'll be remembered fondly by our country, I don't know that Jim Mattis will be remembered alongside the great generals in our nation's history that won wars. Which war did Jim Mattis win? Is it Afghanistan? Is it Iraq? When you look at Mattis's record, it seems as though there's a perspective that maybe isn't enduring when it comes to lasting victories. Instead, the Mattis doctrine appears to be more likely to end our country uh, in circumstances where we are extended, where we are overdeployed, where our troops are on never-ending, exhausting rotations of deployments. And I think that America is at her best not when she's funding the world, not when she's the world's resource, but when America is the best, most inspiring version of herself. You see, the way that we can have a positive influence the quickest, the most effective, uh, is to ensure that everyone wants to be like us. And we're less of a compelling and inspiring model to the world when our troops are strewn about the globe, when we build resentment with deployments, when we're unable to leave countries, even like Germany. I mean, when we wanted to go from 35,000 troops to 25,000 troops, those who ascribe to the Mattis Doctrine thought that that would be devastating, that would send the wrong message to the world, when the reality is we have to be able to, at some point, win wars and come home, kill enemies and not create extended infrastructure investments uh, where our country is having to maintain bases and deployments and contractors indefinitely in places. I still believe in America first. I think it is a foreign policy doctrine that keeps us focused. The biggest threat America faces is China. And the way to ensure that we can rise to that challenge, that we can win the 21st century, is to ensure that we're confronting China in the places that matter, in innovation, in digital infrastructure, in developing relationships with other countries that aren't based on bullying or grievance or graft or greed. And if we do that, America will be first. America will stay first, and we will do so without spilling the blood of our bravest patriots and spilling the treasure of our countrymen in faraway lands forever.
Vladimir Putin is a killer. Russia kills people to advance their politics. Political dissidents, reporters, really just anyone who gets in the way of Vladimir Putin's worldview and his model. Years ago, before President Trump really uh, assumed the mantle of the presidency and began executing on America First foreign policy, he was asked about this dynamic where Russia uses murder to advance their foreign policy goals. Take a listen. Do you like Vladimir Putin's comments about you? He kills journalists that don't agree with him. Well, I think uh, our country does plenty of killing also, Joe, so, you know. What, what a lot of, there's a lot of stupidity that? going on in the world right now, Joe. A lot of killing going on, a lot of stupidity, and uh, that's the way it is. President Trump took tremendous criticism for holding this view and for telling the truth about the United States and our willingness to kill people. And there is a great piece in Inside Edition that really chronicles how the United States used disinformation and mass murder strategies to try to execute on capitalism around the world. The piece is titled, uh, How the Jakarta Method Changed the World. And it talks about how we pioneered the strategy in Indonesia, where we would back military coups. We would allow those military leaders then to designate people as communists. And then we would either facilitate or stand by as they killed people, as they slaughtered enemies, as they purged those who did not agree with their seizure of power in a particular nation, and whether it was Indonesia or Bali or places in Latin America, this Jakarta method was a mechanism to scare people, most particularly in, in Brazil, right here in our hemisphere. Uh, we would try to obtain the political outcomes we sought to reject communism and embrace uh, a neo-fascist form of capitalism, and if that didn't happen, our CIA was right there, willing, able, ready, capable uh, to help folks purge others uh, through these mass murder strategies. So uh, I think it's very interesting to evaluate how America waged some of these clandestine conflicts uh, and to ensure that we don't do it again because it builds a, a heck of a lot of resentment when our government is out there helping strong men, helping anti-democratic leaders slaughter their enemies and uh, those who would potentially pose a risk to their power. We can do better than that as a country. We can be the best version of ourselves and we can inspire people to be the best version of themselves in doing so. There are signs that in deep blue California, there's a little more red creeping into the political system. In the 2018 midterm elections, California was a killing ground for Republicans, particularly in once reliably Republican Orange County. Democrats were able to really sweep the congressional elections in that area of Southern California, and the Republicans are on a comeback. Four seats in the state of California that Democrats won in the 2018 midterms now look to be in Republican hands. David Valadeo returning to Congress, Mike Garcia, who won Katie Hill's seat in California. And then you also have uh, Young Kim and Michelle Steele winning back seats. And there are a number of dynamics here that I think contribute uh, to this. One is that we had fantastic candidate recruitment. And I'll give the Republican leader in the House, Kevin McCarthy, a Californian himself, a tremendous amount of credit 
for recruiting great candidates, for funding those candidates and helping them get across the finish line. I did a decent amount of campaigning in Orange County before the 2020 election, really to try to fire Nancy Pelosi. I figured if California gave us Nancy Pelosi, maybe some folks in California could help us get rid of her by flipping some of these seats back Republican, and some definitely did come our way, setting us up to really take that majority in 2022. But there's another factor that I think contributes, and it's the Gavin Newsom factor. In my time in California, campaigning for these Orange County candidates, I saw deep resentment against the lockdowns, against the constraining of people's choice, against the economic harm that these lockdowns have brought blue-collar people, working people across the state and across our great land. And so I, I don't know that the embrace of this like virus-first strategy for politics at the state and local and national level is really a compelling message for Democrats. I think that the message of vaccines and cures and sanitation and spacing, but with an openness and with a freedom of choice for our people uh, is going to be a lot more politically palatable to the body politic. I think it is going to be uh, more encouraging and inclusive for voters. And I just think it's it's the best political message and, and probably the best thing for our long-term economic and physical health as well. So even though my friends in California remain behind enemy lines in a lot of ways. It's good to see this trajectory bringing more and more opportunity for Republicans in California, help us win back the House of Representatives, help us fire Nancy Pelosi, and send the message to America that freedom is the most unifying political message and it is the best way for our fellow Americans to live their fullest lives. Is it Thanksgiving or thanks snitching? We get the story from the Daily Caller. The governor of Oregon, Kate Brown, says that she wants folks in her state to call the police on each other, on their neighbors, if they believe that folks are violating the COVID-19 shutdown orders during Thanksgiving. I think my colleague and friend Jim Jordan had it right. So in the state of Oregon, you can riot, you can protest, you can be destructive, you can loot, and all that's okay. I mean, you even had district attorneys in Oregon saying that they weren't going to prosecute people who assaulted police officers. But heaven forbid you get your family together for a Thanksgiving meal, then the governor wants you to be snitched on by your neighbors, exposed to ridicule, and in a state of conflict that is just totally unnecessary during the holiday season. I think they've got it backwards in Oregon. They're legalizing meth, but making it illegal for you to go hang out with your family on Thanksgiving. Very bizarre, very strange. I sure hope people aren't snitching on their neighbors when we should be celebrating one another and all that we are thankful for. I guess I'm thankful I don't live in Oregon. It appears that Donald Trump is set to pardon General Michael Flynn, who continues to be harassed by the Department of Justice despite having committed no crime. He simply had a conversation with the Russian ambassador during the transition that 
will be judged well by history. It was a conversation to try to de-escalate tensions with Russia that the outgoing Obama administration had inflamed with a desire to put our focus on China. And as a consequence, his family was threatened, his son was threatened, uh, he was told to take a plea, and they smeared the guy. They smeared an American hero. I believe Donald Trump should pardon Michael Flynn. I was asked about it last night on the Laura Ingram program hosted by Tammy Bruce. Take a listen. President Trump should pardon Michael Flynn. He should pardon the Thanksgiving turkey. He should pardon everyone from himself to his administration officials to Joe Exotic if he has to, because you see from the radical left a bloodlust that will only be quenched if they come after the people who worked so hard to animate the Trump administration with the policies and the vigor and the effectiveness that delivered for the American people. Yeah. And so I think that the president ought to wield that pardon power effectively and robustly. TechCrunch.com has the story, YouTube suspends and demonetizes One America News Network over COVID-19 video. YouTube has confirmed that it has suspended One America News. The penalty comes after a purported violation of YouTube's COVID-19 misinformation guidelines. As a result, One America News will be barred from posting new videos for a week, while its existing videos will also be demonetized for that period. Tisk tisk One America News, YouTube believes that you're misinformation and so they're going to be the arbiters of the truth. Look, I offer no commentary on the truth or falsity of One America News's COVID-19 coverage. But that's not the point. I believe in an America strong enough to confront information, whether that information needs extra criticism, needs an extra lens of review. Maybe the information is even false. But the only way we get to the truth is by allowing ourselves to be surrounded in all the information. Would they have demonetized Galileo for his first thoughts about, you know, our place in the universe? Would they have demonetized and deplatformed Ignaz Semmelwals, who was the founder of germ theory and told us to wash our hands. I mean, this guy was the guy who initially said, if we wash our hands, we'll pass germs less to one another as human beings. And he was jailed as a result of it. Sir Isaac Newton proclaimed that he was proud to die a virgin. No one went and canceled that weirdo. We allowed folks to make their contributions. However, those were viewed through the lens of that particular time. And if you look at COVID-19 in particular, there's a lot of misinformation that's been spread, not just by news commentators or digital platforms, but by the government itself. I mean, I, I'm old enough to remember back when Dr. Fauci was telling us that we didn't have to wear masks. Then all of a sudden that changed. Then it was 14 days to slow the, the spread. Now we're many months into a series of evolving lockdowns. I don't think anyone has cornered the absolute truth as it relates to COVID-19. And until that happens, and perhaps even after that happens, we ought to be willing to absorb information that is different, that is uh, presenting an alternative viewpoint, because sometimes that's what leads us to our most novel discoveries. So I am totally opposed to this new dynamic where Silicon Valley believes that they're like the judge, jury, and executioner on the truth. But it's only beginning with the limitation 
on the ability of Congress to be able to control big tech because so much of Congress is bought off by big tech. It's my fear that you won't see the type of aggressive action against these platforms This is necessary to ensure that we're able to confront a variety of viewpoints. So this is real bad. I hope it's not the sign of a new normal because while I don't want Washington running my life, I sure as hell don't want Silicon Valley running my life. The Jerusalem Post has the story of a potential new capability for the F-35A Air Force variant of the Joint Strike Fighter. A U.S. Air Force tests new B-6112 nuclear gravity bomb with the F-35A. The tests occurred in August out in Nevada, and this is a substantial capability development for the United States. It will ensure that the nuclear deterrent is able to be maintained, and it is uh, an enhancement to the nuclear triad that is an essential part of the nuclear doctrine and policy in our country. Now, the reason this is important is that while other aircraft have shown the capability to be able to carry nuclear assets, they don't do so with the same stealth capability as the F-35A. So pairing that stealth capability with uh, the nuclear gravity bomb capability certainly uh, will give the United States a strong deterrent, strong capabilities, and we're all for it. Thanks for listening to Hot Takes. I'm Congressman Matt Gates. This episode will close out the week for us as the members of our team will be enjoying the Thanksgiving holiday and however you're able to enjoy it and whoever you're able to enjoy it with, we hope you take the opportunity to give thanks for the fact that we get to live in the greatest country in the world, the United States of America. We don't have to apologize for it. We don't have to diminish our country. We can help and encourage and inspire others and it's certainly every bit the blessing that so many have said it to be and it's every reason for us to give thanks and appreciation for this opportunity we have to contribute to the American story. Have a happy Thanksgiving everyone. Take the time to give us a five-star rating on iTunes if you're so inclined and join us next week for more hot takes.